Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today. With Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at the Yoga Hour at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and I'll be sharing some insights and time-tested practices from the ancient system of Kriya Yoga. And we understand yoga as a philosophy and a practice for spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in our world today. And we're going to be talking just about that, living our spirituality. What happens when we make that shift, when we move spirituality from the periphery of our life to the center of our life, when our practice changes from being an isolated time of meditation um, into a way that is touching everything that we do. So we're going to discuss how we can make that shift from compartmentalized spiritual practice to what we would call dharma living or living in divine awareness all the time regardless of what we're doing and we have the perfect uh, guest to help us sort that out today we're joined by Pravrajika uh, Vraja Prana who's been a nun at the Sarada convent of the Vedanta Society of Southern California since 1977 taking her vine uh, final Vows of Monasticism in 1988. Vraja Prana is the author of a wonderful primer on Vedanta, uh, a book that is just um, essential. It is called Vedanta, A Simple Introduction. And it is simple, it is accessible, and it is deep. So it's a wonderful book. And uh, she's written others as well. And she's been the Hindu representative at both the Dalai Lama's uh, 2006 gathering of Hindu of hearts, eliminating uh, illuminating compassion, uh, illuminating not eliminating illuminating compassion, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, conference as well as the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu's 2008 Seeds of Compassion conference. Um, she's an active participant in Santa Barbara's interfaith movement and is Hindu chaplain at. Cottage Hospital, and you can find out more about her, and of course more about Vedanta itself at vedanta.org. Welcome, Pravrajika Rajaprana. It's a I'm pleasure so to be here. To Thank you. And before we dive into talking about dharmic living, how we live our uh, spiritual practice every moment, every day, let's begin just with a moment of centering meditation. Let's pause in this moment, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, perhaps you're somewhere where you can actually stop 
Um, but of course, if you're driving your car, keep driving. <laughs> but you can make it a mindful moment wherever you are by simply tuning into your breath, feeling the breath coming in your nostrils, the cool air touching the back of your throat, and the warm air moving out again. And as we feel the breath, we can put forth the intention that as the breath moves in, we're, we're moving our attention within to be anchored in the self. That divine self, the self of all, we affirm one life, one power, one presence, that is the reality surrounding us and indwelling us. We touch that divine reality within. And in this moment of awareness, any moment of awareness, we can touch that truth of our being and we can know this unchangeable divine self as a refuge in the storms of life, in the constant changes around us, always within us, the unchangeable. So simply feel the peace of your essential nature and know that same peace, that same light of divine consciousness is within all. It pervades all of life. Let us take a moment now as we conclude and as we have touched that peace within us to affirm and to offer that peace to all beings everywhere. As a prayer, may all beings be peaceful. May everyone be aware of this truth. Divine peace, divine love, divine reality pervading all that is. Om Shanti Shanti Hari Om Shanti. Peace, peace, peace. Paramahansa Yogananda said, There cannot be any excuse for not thinking of God. Day and night, rolling in the background of your mind, God, God, God. Whether you are washing dishes, or digging a ditch, or working in an office or a garden, whatever you may be doing, inwardly say, Lord, manifest to me. You are right here. You're in the sun, you're in the grass, you're in the water, you're in this room, you're in my heart. So as we begin this conversation today about living our spiritual practice, living our spiritual awareness in every moment of every day, regardless of what we're doing, you know, we think about the role models, those who inspire us uh, to live in the highest way and uh, to look at the role models of the saints in our uh, lineages who clearly did this. In the Kriya Yoga tradition, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's life, of course, is a shining example of someone who, who did this and who encouraged us all. And so we find, of course, now in his writing, in his legacy with his disciples, um, this inspiration still shining. And within Vedanta, of course, there are wonderful examples of this in the lives of Swami Vivekananda and his guru, Sri uh, Ramakrishna Paramahansa and Sri Sharada De. And others. Um, so tell us in how you have been inspired by the life and teachings of Sri Ramakrishna. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know, of course, as you came into this uh, religious and spiritual life you're living as a nun, you know, what, uh, what, what lit you on fire about this? 
You know what really appealed, by the way, I love that introductory meditation. That's a wonderful way to begin the day. I, you know, I, I, I wish everyone could have that opportunity of kind Thanks. of like tuning in. And it's, <laughs> it's what a blessing, what a blessing to offer out there. Thank um, you. Me kind of personally, I was uh, an anti-war activist at the age of 15. And I was I was violently against the war in Vietnam, and I was going to shove my piece down everybody's throat. <laughs> yeah, Stop the war machine! I'm going to kill you if you, if you don't do that. Uh-huh. So I was uh, so I came up to the Vedanta Temple in 1967 to distribute pamphlets against the war in Vietnam. And I was too young to. <laughs> I know. I oh, I love that. Mark- I know, like, these people are, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I was going to, we were, I was, uh, I belonged to an organization, Women Strike for Peace. And so, of course, it's Strike for Peace. And so we were um, distributing pamphlets, and we came up to the temple only because of the parking lot. I didn't even know of its existence. I was a high school kid. So he's, uh, after we distributed pamphlets at the Catholic Church, uh, the guy that I've been paired with said, well, let's go to the Dante Temple. I said, what's that? And he said, oh, it's this really beautiful place. It's got a big parking lot. I like, oh, great. So we went up there to, to put leaflets underneath the windshield wipers of the cars, and that was my only reason for coming up here. But by God's infinite um, uh, compassion and sense of humor, the person who I would meet that day was Swami Prabhupada. It totally changed my life. Oh. He just, uh, seeing one smile from him, I just melted. Oh. And I just, the place was incredibly peaceful. And just being around a person who could actually transmit holiness and love. I mean, actually transmit it. For the first time in my life, I was with a person who actually radiated holiness mm-hmm. and, and love and peace. And I'd never, for all my life, peace and love, uh, I'd never actually met a person who actually had that. So you know, I and I, like I just whatever he has, I want it. I just want to say, you know, that as I'm listening to you, and as you share, you know, just that your story and that moment of meeting, you know, my my hair stood on end, and mm. you know, I could feel the power uh, in your experience, the transmission that you received, and of course that you're offering us today, um, even, you know, over the internet, I feel it. <laughs> I feel that, you know, I feel the impact of that meeting and how powerful that was to change the course of a young woman's life. Totally wow. changed my life. All, <laughs> all my political ideas were just like, okay, and I was very passionate about it. I would wake up every morning. I haven't worked hard enough to stop the war. I haven't worked hard enough. Mm-hmm. And and that just totally, and then I asked him later. Um, I just felt like whatever he has, that's what I want. And I mm-hmm. said, Swami, what do we do about peace? And he said, he smiled at me very gently. He said, you can't have, you can't talk about peace. You can't create peace unless you have peace within yourself. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, so I'm going around it. I'm going about it the wrong way, huh? Mm. Yeah. So it, it, mm. it, it's like I remained, um, of course, interested and in, in convinced of, of you know some political beliefs, but it no longer became the motivating force in my life. I realized that I'd there had been this gaping hole in my heart that I've been trying to fill up with political action, and that wasn't that wasn't doing it. Mm. And so you know, so seeing uh, him we're, just. We're, we're looking at okay. How does that how does that hole get filled so that your your action and your being you know are joined right. in a sense you know how do you, how do we you know how did you and how do we begin to uh, live the the spiritual practice? So you, you discovered it was right. Possible. Well, the first and, thing I discovered. Well, what I did was the first thing you do is you don't put your brain away when you walk into any kind of religious organization. <laughs> and what appealed to me was, was I mean, most pe- a lot of people think, you know, you've got to check my brains out of the door and walk in and just take whatever they tell me. It's like, thank God this is a place where I can question and, my, and, I, and I don't have to believe everything. Mm. I can, everything is taken from my own experience. I was like, yes. The mm. first thing I happened to read, I, 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 only, I didn't have any money. I just had my 25-set-a-week allowance. So I spent that on a um, thus spake Ramakrishna. 
And the first thing I read, I was walking to high school in the morning, and I was reading that I was walking. The first thing he said was, just, Rich Ramakrishna said, just because uh, you do not see the stars in the middle of the day doesn't mean they don't exist. So don't think in the days of your ignorance that God does not exist. And I went, I put that little 25 cent thing to my heart and went, yes, mm. yes, that makes mm. sense. And then mm-hmm. he said, God is, he, he lives, you experience God, experience God. And then he gave so many practical things about living our spiritual life that was just, everything really appealed to me, everything through my kind of list of what I expected in a religion or any kind of a spiritual practice was like, yes, yes. Like, see, don't try to, one of my favorite things of his is give it a turn, give it a turn. In other words, don't feel like you have to stop loving your family. Whoever you love, see the divine in them. Make that a part of your spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Whatever you do, put it Godwards, so you don't have your spiritual life compartmentalized. Mm-hmm. Everything is part of this. We're all working towards the same goal. We mm-hmm. all want to real, un- realize and uncover the divinity within us. So use everything at our disposal. Just give it a turn. Mm-hmm. Give it a turn. So keep your keep your keep your heart open and keep your mind yes. open. <laughs> I I also yes. appreciated that about yoga and and Vedanta. That, you know, because for me and we actually have a very similar story. Um, you know, mm, in terms mm. of our, you know, coming from the path of wanting everybody to be peaceful by, you know, bopping them over the head um, to discover, you know, that we really had to find it first in ourselves. So we had similar timing and a similar story. But, um, you know, then to to find out, you know, what it took, um, you know, to find peace uh, in ourselves, um, you know, for me, you know, what that took, it took a lot of work to find it, but I too was very, I was very grateful that um, questioning um, could be part of the path, um, because it didn't mm-hmm. work for me, you know, which is why I walked away from, you know, religion itself, because I, there were things that I knew were not true, and, and right. I just I knew it, and so I couldn't, I, I, yeah. couldn't, I, I couldn't sit there and just take that in and say, you know, I'm going to dedicate my life to something I know isn't true. And I didn't want to have to pick and choose, you know, like, okay, yeah. I, can, I can take this but not that because it was too foundational. Right. And so I, too, shared that, yes, you can come, you can bring your mind, and, of course, bring your heart, you know, and what you're saying is, um, y- you know, apply this in, in your life, you know, with your family yeah at the job, um, apply this there. Um, yes, there's we no have separation. Just, exactly. So we have just about, you know, a couple minutes before our first break, but if you could, in that short period of time, tell us like one practice you think was was most supportive of, of you know, beginning to find that peace in yourself. Well, I think, the, of course, everything that we do, try to see it as doing something for God. That was your sweeping sweep for God. Uh, if, you, if you have a devotional attitude or sweep for the sake of all beings. In other words, everything that we do, make that a spiritual practice. And the other thing is, the, for me, the extreme importance of the mantra. Having, to be, having a mantra and being able to keep that going all the time is so helpful. Mm-hmm. So helpful just to keep the keep the practice going. So no matter what you're doing, if you're stuck in traffic, you can say the mantra. If you're going for a walk, listen for how the mantra is coming out with the sound of how your your feet are touching the leaves. Hear mm-hmm. the mantra in the sound of the leaves when when the wind goes through. Hear the mantra when when you're washing the dishes. Hear it when when you're vacuuming. That's actually the mantra. <laughs> yes. And Swami Shraddhananda used to say, he was a wonderful Swami in Sacramento who is actually known for having been perfected in the use of the mantra, said, the mantra is like a vacuum. It clears <laughs> all the parts of the mind because it works on the subconscious. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very few things that we do, we, all, we have the top layer of our mind, but we have so many levels of, because of deep samskaras of these uh, subconscious areas, and the mantra goes in and purifies that. So I think the mantra, 
it is a huge help, or this even just repetition of all. Very absolutely, absolutely. It's like mantra allows us to to um, stay anchored. You know, I think of it as absolutely. a as the the rope the rope of God's name um, that allows yeah. us to stay uh, connected uh, to God throughout Pull our day. Up to it. Exactly. Uh, we're going to take a break now for just a moment. You're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Pravrajika. Raja Prana, a nun with Vedanta Society of Southern California and author of the book, Vedanta, A Simple Introduction. And you can find out more about her and the work of the Vedanta Center uh, worldwide at Vedanta.org. We welcome your comments or questions. You can reach us at Yoga Hour at Unity FM. And when we come back from the break, we're going to continue this conversation about dharmic living, living our spiritual practices uh, throughout our day, every day. We'll be right back with you. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on mobile listening. At Metaphysical Romp 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. Listening to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to the Yoga Hour. Welcome back to your Yoga Hour, a time for contemplation, really looking at how we live our spiritual practice every day. And we're blessed today to have Pravrajika Vraja Prana with us, a nun with Vedanta Society of Southern California and chaplain at Cottage Hospital in Santa Barbara. She's the author of the book, Vedanta, A Simple Introduction, which I highly recommend. You can just even put it right in your purse or your backpack, and it is uh, just filled with the essence of what Vedanta is and a wonderful introduction to yoga as well. So we're going to talk a little bit now about yoga and Vedanta and some of the practices that help us to make that shift from you know, thinking of our spiritual practice as our meditation and uh, look at how it really begins to be integrated into our daily life. So let's let's talk a little bit about ahimsa, which is at the top of the list, you know, the great dharma, the great practice. Um, and, it, you know, to me, it, it seems that this practice of compassion, compassionate living, is really the foundation of living our spiritual practice every day. So, you know, how do you see this practice of ahimsa? You know, ahimsa is so basic, too. Um, you can't really do ahimsa correctly without starting from the premise of the oneness of all existence. Mm. And once you start recognizing that 
there's only one being. There's only one Atman, only one Brahman. That all beings feel joy, all beings suffer. That you really come to what it really means to do ahimsa. But then when you go deeper into ahimsa, it isn't just the physical world. It's also the mental world. Thoughts are things that... um, that negative, angry, hateful thoughts are, are also destructive, not only to the person we're directing them towards, but to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it, and it helps us very much with a very sincere practice, root out uh, things in our own mind, remove it, re, you know, stopping um, deeper samskaras from forming and kind of creating a more loving, compassionate mind in our, in our own life. Mm-hmm. And I love what to you wrote. I was saying, I love what you wrote in your book that we we can't we should not think of our thoughts. And this isn't a direct quote, but you know what I took from it was we should not think of our thoughts and our actions so much uh, like arrows as like boomerangs. (laughs) (laughs) It's true; they come right back at us Uh (laughs) because every thought that we think makes an impression on our mind and. We forget that we're, we created this this little universe uh, right above our neck, mm-hmm. and we got to live there. We have no there, there's no escape from this, so we have to till that soil with great love and care. Mm-hmm. And every thought that we that we do makes an impression. So if we want to give ourselves, you know, the Bhagavad Gita said uh, that the mind can be either our greatest enemy or our greatest friend, mm-hmm. and all of us who who are uh, want to practice, sincerely practice a spiritual life, we need to make the mind our friend. Because that's yeah, basically our companion. Exactly. And what do you think, you know, uh, even though you have lived in a convent for many years, I'm guessing, I, I don't know, but I'm just guessing that you have not escaped difficult people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, <Are> you kidding? <laughs> and so, and so, oh, no, I think they moved here. I think they, you know, uh, our beloved neighbors who, who had to leave a couple of decades ago, the Jesuits, uh-huh. um, an old father said to me, you know, a bright light attracts moths. <laughs> some, of the, some, of the, some of the most trying people in the universe will come to a spiritual path um, because, of course, they're in pain. Mm-hmm. Difficult people, people who we call difficult people, are often give, they give themselves a much harder time. They're suffering much more within themselves than, than they cause others. So and they will so, naturally come to a spiritual place. This is true. This is so true. And of course, you know, we, you know, I experienced that at our, at our spiritual center. And of course, I'm, I'm sure I'm a difficult person myself, but, you know, my question, (laughs) my question is, you know, what, how do, um, how how do difficult people uh, support our practice because the tendency i think whether you're in a spiritual community or not is either to want to react to them or you know if yep. we're if we've if we've gone beyond reacting we want to protect ourselves and we want to um yeah. you know just shut that person out of our heart we want to ignore them totally ignore Exa- them yeah but you know because Pretend they're they, not there yeah, because they upset our balance, um, and we right. want to be spiritual, and so right, <laughs> and, and so, we can't be spiritual while, while we're cussing this person out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Even if you're mentally, which I do, mentally cussing this person out, it's like you know, this is not helpful for that person or for me. I yeah. often think of Sarah Davy in this context. Mm. Sarah Davy could have been born in any family she wanted. You know, we really consider her an incarnation of the Divine Mother. Mm-hmm. She chose to be born in a family with schizophrenics and bipolars. She mm-hmm. chose to be born in a family of people who were just the worst kind of people who would ever want to live, and they did not show her respect unless they wanted money. They did mm-hmm. not, uh, they, they weren't particularly spiritual, and they, they, it was just a nonstop problem. Now, for some great reason, she showed that to live in a family like this can be part of your spiritual life. Mm. Uh, uh, you, you go home, you go home, you, you think, you know, go home for work and it'd be with my family, going to relax. It's like, oh no, the family, this is like more work, more spiritual mm. work. 
mm-hmm. no matter where we are, it's all about the spiritual work. So, and so how did she? Place, how did she do it? How did she do it? By absolutely <laughs> showing them love at all times, which is very hard to do. But she was very. She could be very stern, but mm-hmm. she never stopped. She she was not a doormat. So she was she was loving but she was firm. She was compassionate but she was firm. And her she, life uh, she did it's, it's remarkable say, her, her life. Her life was so amazing in that she served everyone. And she, you know, from what I've read about her life, that, you know, such, she took such a humble role of, yes. of serving. And, you know, you, it seems like it might have been possible just to ignore her. <laughs> but, yeah, but and, it was pretty, but, you know, <laughs> but the important thing is that Ramakrishna told her just before he died, you will have to, to continue my work. And she said, I can't do that. I'm, I'm only a woman. He went, none of that. Uh-huh. The people in Calcutta are living like worms. None of that. You will continue this work. Of course, she had hundreds of disciples, many, maybe thousands of disciples, and he had just a handful. Uh-huh. She was the one who really did the work, and the other people like the Vekananda were at her feet, and she was the one who really guided. The Vekananda wanted to sell Belamont so that he could mm-hmm. help the, the people for the plague. And she said, no, sorry, you can't do that. It's not yours mm-hmm. to sell. But we're mm-hmm. thinking, thinking generations to come. Mm-hmm. She was the one. She was the Supreme Court. She was the one who gave him the, um, the assurance and the authority to come to the West. He wouldn't leave until she gave her blessings and said you were to do that. And do you see her path primarily then as a bhakti path, the path of divine love and uh, karma yoga? She, was the non- you know, she, she had everything completely. She she said to a monk in our very strict Advaitic place, she said, Sri Ramakrishna was a non-dualist. I'm a non-dualist. We are all non-dualists, which seems like a contradiction. But you see at that highest state, how can you, just, how can you say, and she did ritualistic worship every day. You see, mm-hmm. there's no separation. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely no separation. She was the greatest karma yogi the world has seen because she did the, the, the most lowly work when there was a child who would, like, pee or poop in the temple. She would clean it up with, it with a piece of her own cloth. Mm-hmm. She, and she, I love the thing. It's like when a person was feeling bad about something, she'd say, does a mother... When, when, when a child has dirtied himself, what does the mother do? She cleans the baby. Mm-hmm. Very simple, you know? No guilt tripping. Just, you know, you start fresh, clean yourself, you know, keep going. Keep going. Mm-hmm. So she was that whole thing of extreme love and compassion, but keep, keep your eyes on the prize. God mm-hmm. realization. Uncover the divinity that's already there. Recognize the divinity of ain't all. That was her special, her last message. She said, if you wish to find peace of mind, my child, don't see faults in others. Rather, see your own faults. And then, very importantly, she said, no one is a stranger. The whole world is your own. I mean, if that could be a motto, you know, put on everyone's forehead. You know, <laughs> and we actually lived it, you know, along yeah. with, you know, put the DNR on the chest and that one on the forehead. <laughs> that would be a right. No yeah, one no one what? is a stranger. The whole world That's is your a, own, and really, the, the whole, whole world, world is, is your is yourself. <laughs> is your own the whole world self. is yourself? Exactly. Mm. You love thy neighbors yourself. There is no neighbor. There's only self. There's only one divine being, in masquerading in different names and forms. Mm. But because of our ego, the ego gets in the way. Say, no, you're different. You're a Republican. You're gay. Mm. You're you know. You're black, you're white, you're, you're this, you're that. It's, uh, we create this distinction, so we create a prison in our own mind mm. of others and us. But when she says no one's a stranger, it's like the whole world is your own. Everybody mm. is our own. An and, and of course now, you know, in this particular timing in the U.S., you know, we have oh such a, a vitriolic political process going on mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> that... Um, it's it's a particular time uh, to engage in spiritual practice, um, you yeah. know, to, to and not, compassion and compassion, and to not, you know, fall into, um, y- you know, it's just so easy to want to uh, demonize the people who are demonizing. 
Yeah, absolutely <laughs> true. We can't authorize anybody. We just can't because everybody, you have to sort of, uh, I think it's very helpful to start out addressing the person's higher mind, addressing the higher portion of themselves rather than assuming the person is like this. Try to assume the person is like that, and you can be amazed. I had a fascinating, it wasn't fascinating, it was kind of a humbling experience. With um, I sing in a choral group, and I've been having tea with this. We shared the same kind of tea that we liked at break, and he had no idea about me, and I had no idea about him. So it, it's a pretty big group. And so he, he said, well, you know, I don't know what you do for a living. And I said, of all the people here, I've got the strangest, you know, perfection there is. He said, well, I don't believe that. And I said, I'm going to do nothing. And he blanched. He went, he went white as a sheep. <laughs> and, and he said, I didn't know there was such a thing. I said, not only is there one, I am one. And he said, and, he would, and, and so I grabbed the tenor and I said, Danny, am I going to do none? He said, oh, yes, you're going to do none, all right. And, and he said, well, I go to India every, every, I go to Bombay every year and do free heart surgeries. Mm-hmm. And I said, well, that's great. I belong to the Ramakrishna Order and we have the largest social service organization in India. We do, you know, many, we have the hospitals, educational facilities, colleges, all the way down to to you know, kindergartens, preschools, orphanages, you name it, we do it. And he said, well, I'm in Campus Crusade for Christ. And at that moment, my mind closed. Mm. And I watched myself go, oh, these evangelicals are like this. Mm-hmm. And he said to me, I see I have a lot to learn from you. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and I was so humbled. But this gentle, loving soul that I've been having, you know, a couple limitless tea with on breaks for years, I've never known the first thing about him. And my reaction was, you people are like that. Mm-hmm. And his reaction was so much broader and kinder and more loving than mine. I was, I just, you know, mentally did a pranam to him. You were uh. so much broader than I gave you credit for. Um, you know, salutations of Divine Mother, you really taught me something here. Oh, that's a beautiful well, story of really a spiritual like, practice and action. Even yes. when we, you know, when we are not, when you know, we're inwardly washing our process, we're inwardly watching ourselves close down. There is, yeah. you know, when I, when I hear that story, what I hear is um, the presence of grace um you know oh my that, god yes that, and so you know uh, yeah this is like guru kripa how does that <laughs> you know you know for me that's been pretty much it you know of yeah, you know yeah. uh, i intend to be a compassionate person but i'm i'm pretty clear that i'm not <laughs> Yeah. You know, I know. I'm, suppo- I just find myself I'm supposed to be, love, but, but I'm, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm not. You know, I I want to be, but I'm not because I watch yeah. myself. You know, many times a day, close down, just in the way that you described, and so you know, I, I have to rely have on grace. Um, mm-hmm. to, to open my heart again and again and again. And uh, that's what I heard uh, in your story. But what, how wonderful that we have the ability to watch our own minds and say, oh, you're doing that, are you? Mm-hmm. You see, that's a huge step forward. That's a huge step in our spiritual life. Yeah. To be able to distance ourselves to know, oh, you're doing that, aren't you, an idiot? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, yeah, I do. I try to refrain from the "aren't you an idiot" part, but you know that that does. does I I need to, I need to kind of nudge myself and say, "Really? Did you Uh really do that? Did you Uh really think that?" Well, that's going to save you from a little spiritual pride, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. You know, and when you know when you look at the yamas and niyamas, you know, we we started out talking about ahimsa and our ability to be compassionate, and really this basis, as you said, you know, ahimsa is you know so foundational. It's seeing the one in all. You know, once we can get that, and 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 really, as we've been talking, you know, it's a matter of returning to it again and again. Tell me if there is uh, another of the uh, of the yamas or niyamas that you particularly find helpful in in living your spiritual practice every day. 
Well, I think we were talking about one without mentioning the name, which would be Satya. Mm-hmm. Uh, because to be able to, I mean, of all the yamas, uh, I, I think uh, truthfulness is pretty foundational. Mm-hmm. They really go about together. The root, they <laughs> yeah. really go together because we're yeah. talking about self, self-honesty. Mm-hmm. You know, watching our reactions and being honest about our own reactions. But when we think about the, the word satya, it, it, we t- think of the word sat, being, existence. Mm-hmm. So satya is so rooted, truthfulness is so rooted in our very being. Asat, ignorance, is exactly where we don't want to be. So when we go off our spiritual track, we're, we're, that ignorance is when we're not living in satya, when we're not living in truth. So all the other uh, all the other restraints, all the other yamas are really connected. Everything's really connected in and through the truth of our existence, which is truthfulness, satya. Mm-hmm. We can't, with, Sri Ramakrishna was very clear that the truthfulness is, is the austerity of the sage. And then, of course, in the Mahabharata, uh, uh, those who protect truth, truth will protect them. Mm. Even mm. you know, in the Indian motto, the nation such a neva chai take truth alone triumphs, which is kind of hilarious in the considering how much corruption goes on there. But you see, at least there is the ideal. There is the ideal. Not not we're going to overtake your nation. Not don't don't let, don't tread on me. But truth alone triumphs. It's a wonderful ideal for a, for a nation. It's a wonderful ideal for for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, and of course the teachings do say that uh, ahimsa and satya, you know, are like the two wings of a bird. You know, you can't really have yeah. one uh, without the other. And, um, you know, I think, you know, when I look at my own practice, I, I totally agree with you. I think those two are foundational. And if that's all we had, it, it would be enough. Um, you know, yeah. but, there are, uh, but there are others that we're, we're gifted with. And, um, you know, certainly I think of um, Santo of this practice of contentment um, that helps me, you know, uh, avoid getting too uh, overheated. Um, And so tell me about that one for you and how you experience this practice of contentment. I think um, it's contentment is really important because uh, it's really connected with gratitude. I think you can't have you can't have a really happy life without a life of gratitude. The gratitude is so central to um, to being a happy, loving individual. That um, I think it's so funny. I, was, I, I just got back from Brazil, and I was talking about this a lot. In America, we have the the holiday of Thanksgiving, and we we just think. Oh, how wonderful, you know, we get to eat and have apple pie. But the whole practice of thankfulness is so rooted with, with santosha. The idea that it is that the, that the glass we have, we don't see it as half empty and not even half full, but it is the perfect glass. It's absolutely the perfect glass. Mm. That the glass is so wonderful that we're willing to share and give the glass to somebody else because it's absolutely perfect. We often don't really recognize all the, the gifts that we've been given, all the beauties that we have, all the graces that we've had, and the graces can often include some of the most difficult, miserable times in our life. That without that, our lives would have taken a very different turn had we not gone through these very difficult times. And in and the midst, in, yeah. in the midst of those difficult times, you know, when things yeah. are happening around us, or even you know, as we'd think to us, or um, and we say, "Oh, you know, I don't really want this. You know, this is difficult. Um, you know, I don't like this." Um, what do you do to touch the heart of gratitude at those times that, you know, our mind is saying, this is wrong, you know, this is, should not right. be this yeah, way. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And that, that there's there's very, uh, there's no way to Pollyanna your way through that. Yeah, exactly. Really, <clears throat> yeah, there, there's just, you just have to acknowledge that, yeah, this is a tough time, and somehow this is supposed to be happening this way, and that's mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Somehow, then, yeah. somehow. 
I think we can also look, you know, we can also look, um, you know, if you're practicing Santosh, you can, you can look for, you know, what in the midst of it you can be grateful for, you know, and yes. it's possible, it's possible to strengthen that. And, you know, I find you're working in, in hospice, and I don't know if this has been your experience, but oftentimes, um, it seems that, you know, it's the little annoyances, you know, that get people off balance. But mm-hmm, when people, mm-hmm, yep. people come to the really deep challenges of life, it seems that um, there's a more profound ability to touch what really matters, which is really interesting yes. to me. Have you have you seen that with people as absolutely, well? Absolutely, absolutely. It's so funny. It's like what really matters us off our balance is... Um, uh, you know that the computer refusing to work, exactly. or something, something like yeah, it, it's something uh-huh. like that. But then you're saying, you know, by the way, you've got four four weeks to live. It's like, oh well, you know, who cares about the computer? Uh-huh. But we never realized that it very well could have four weeks to live. But in in the work with hospice, it's been such inspiring thing to be around people close to death and how how they put all the small stuff behind them, mm-hmm. and they realize that what they cherish most. Is, is the love that they had in their life, their gratitude for everything that's brought them where they are. Mm. It's, um, and then the ability to, to, to put stuff behind them, the ability to, to forgive, mm-hmm. the ability to, to be able to call people and thank them for what they, they've learned from them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's it. You see people really being ennobled. I, we had a lovely person here who died um, a fairly difficult death from AIDS, and mm. he said that his AIDS was his greatest teacher, that he learned mm. more from that than he could have learned from anybody. And he said he wouldn't give that experience back for anything. Wow. And, you know, I have also experienced that with people. You know, a, a, a woman um, who was making her transition, I went to visit her, and, she, of course, she was surrounded by family and friends, and she said to me, I, all my whole life, and, you know, she was a pretty spiritually conscious woman and uh, someone who served others but even her she said i never realized there could be so much love and she said and she said would i trade you know having found this out in this way and she said absolutely not <laughs> she said yeah. Yeah. The, the gift of it was more than I could ever have imagined. And, wow. Uh, wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, you know, I thought that the person that was um, close, who was fairly young and lived, uh, had a health food store of all things and had discovered that she had stage four lung cancer. Never smoked, of course, nothing to do with smoking. And she felt like a demon to stay alive. She had three fairly young daughters. Uh, in her 20s, but still she didn't want to lose them. And she fought like a demon, but at one point her heart stopped and she died. Mm. And they brought her back, and when she came back, she said, I didn't know there was so much love. Mm. I didn't know she'd been to the other side. Mm. She said, it's so beautiful. I didn't know there was so much love. I'm not afraid to die. She died two days later, quite Mm. happy and at peace. Well, really so, I mean, we do, we do have so many trials in our life, and there's just, as I say, no way to Pollyanna that. But I think when we realize that there is, that we're being held so close and so lovingly uh, by God. But with me, it, it may perhaps it's, it's started David, the Divine Mother. Mm-hmm. But we're being held very close, and we're being, we're being held so gently and lovingly that we're, we don't have to kind of hold on to the surfboard so tightly. We're okay. We're on the ocean of life, but we're okay. We're being held, being protected. Everything is happening, and it's all okay. And it's all in God. You know, it's so beautiful. It's all in God. It's all God. There's nothing outside the reach of the divine. It's all centered in the divine, which is nothing but pure love. It's so beautiful. Thank you for that inspiration, and thank you for this conversation uh, this morning. My it's, great pleasure. Um, <laughs> I've been I've been inspired, and to leave us with that thought that we're being held um, by the divine, and I think that's what we all need, really, to be able to relax 
into that. And then living our spiritual practice every day can, can come out of that, uh, in a way that blesses us and, uh, blesses everyone around us. It's been, uh, a very, uh, a joy to meet you and to share this, uh, yoga hour with you. I want to remind, uh, thank you. I want to remind our listeners that, uh, Pravrajika Vrajaprana, um, who is a nun with the Vedanta Society of Southern California is the author of the book we've been, uh, drawing from this morning, Vedanta, a simple introduction. And it's, um, as I said, a beautiful primer. It's just, um, when I read it, I thought, this is just the marrow. <laughs> this is the marrow of, uh, of the teachings and, uh, it's very nourishing and uh, very alive with the the heart and uh, soul of Vedanta. So I recommend that and uh, you can find out more about her and uh, the work of Vedanta uh, worldwide at Vedanta V-E-D-A-N-T-A dot org Um, Thank you again for joining us today and I want to invite you uh, back next week for um, more about living our spiritual life. But this time we get to think about food. And it's going to be <laughs> enjoy food, enjoy health, enjoy life. And um, Dr. Fun. Doesn't it sound good? And our regular <laughs> yeah. guest host, Dr. Laura Trujillo, will be here uh, with Diksha uh, McCord, author of a new book, The Healing Kitchen, Vegetarian Cooking with Higher Awareness, for a conversation about how healthy living habits can help us honor our body temple and expand our consciousness. The Yoga Hour that you're listening to is a Seba project, a service project of Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the tradition of Kriya Yoga. And you can find out more about Center for Spiritual Enlightenment at csecenter.org. That's csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to the Yoga Hour. And uh, you can do that at iTunes, and uh, it's free. Tell your friends about it. I look forward to being with you next time. And remember to... Uh, Touch that peace uh, within you, that uh, gratitude that you have for this beautiful life we have been given and to let your light of peace shine into the world and share that peace and that gratitude, that joy with all that you meet. Thanks again so much, uh, Vrajaprana. A real pleasure. My great pleasure. And thank you, Jeff, in the sound room at Unity Online Radio. And thanks to our producers, Vicki Martin and Dr. Laurel Trujillo and our whole Yoga Hour team. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio.
Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Haven't we all stood on the bank of a quiet pond and tossed a stone into the water? Haven't we seen the ripples move outward from the place where the stone entered the water until the whole surface of the pond danced with the movement of energy? Before long, we could no longer clearly see the point where the stone entered the water. My inner environment of thoughts and feelings behaves much like a pond. When I introduce a thought of peace into my mind and heart, that single thought creates a ripple effect that really does change the world. From its beginning point within me, peace ripples out to fill my inner world and continues to move out into the world around me. Peace can begin with me. To find a Unity Church near you, please visit our website at www.unity.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., interviews down-to-earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery, where we talk about what keeps you growing. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit, Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Are you ready to experience the rich interconnection of spirituality, orientation, and identity? If so, plan to attend Liberating Your Divine Identity, a retreat at Unity Village during Pride Month, June 9th to the 12th. This soul-filled retreat is facilitated by LGBTQIA plus Unity Ministers with workshops and ceremonies to cultivate a deeper awareness of our spiritual nature. Register at unityvillage.org forward slash I am divine 2022. 